What's up, guys? You are on the air and off the books with Beth Ann and Samantha. And today we have author Ann Freistat here to join us. Um, is that is that how am I saying your last name correctly? Freistat. Yeah. Freistat. Okay. Freistat. Freistat. Write that down because we will be butchering that in the future. It is a tricky one. I started just putting the pronunciation on my website because I was like, this isn't yeah. going to happen organically. You know? Yes. Um, and you wrote an amazing book called What We Harvest. And we just recently read this, what, like a month or two ago? Yes, it was. It was definitely, yeah, I think it was a month or two ago, actually. And it was fantastic. Yes. It was so I, did a phenomenal job. You really did. I picked it Thank up because I saw the cover and I loved the cover art. Yeah. And I blew through it in one night. Yes. I was this. So I'm a really notoriously slow reader. Yeah. Which is a plague on us as a podcast, but, <laughs> but I think this was one of the ones that I went through super fast. I think it took yeah. me like three days, which is like a day for some answers. Yes. <laughs> so that's the equivalent there. So it was, it was so good. And it was just like such a great take. So we should probably have you, would you like to give us a little summary of your book? Um, generally. Sure you guys do a much better job of summarizing yes. than we do because we go off on tangents and we spoil things and we get too excited. It's <laughs> all good. I appreciate it. First of all, thank you all for having me and for reading the book. I'm so excited that you all connected with it. Um, so what we harvest, it's atmospheric YA folk horror. Um, and basically the idea there is that there's this seemingly idyllic small American town um, where there are these sort of magical farms essentially. There's a kind of magic in the soil um, that these farms have been thriving off of. Um, but you know, when we pick up the book, there's also a blight that has come to hit this seemingly idyllic town of Hollow's End. And the blight infects not only the crops, but also animals and people of the town. Um, so we pick up with our protagonist, Ren, who's a 16-year-old heir to one of these sort of magical farms, um, when she finds out that her farm is infected and her parents are missing. And this plague has kind of finally come for her. So now she has to figure out what's going on and try to unearth where this plague came from and what that may or may not have to do with the uh, roots of this town. Yes. Oh my gosh. So the cool thing about this book is when you start the book and you're just immediately thrown into this like terrifying, like very jittery situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like, I loved that because like you are forced to like, it's like running at a hundred miles an hour and like impact with another character. And you're just like, okay, get your boots on. We're going out to do yeah. this thing. Like, I don't know what's happening, girl, but we're with you. Like we're going, we're, we're going to figure this out. And you're just like shaken immediately. And then yeah. figuring you like introducing Derek and all these other characters. It doesn't stop. And I love that mm -hmm. because it's like things are thrown at you and you're catching things and you're like yeah. realizing things like, and it's some things are really quick and then some things are really slow. And it, it was just so good and so well-paced yeah. from the very beginning. And I loved that the most when I started it. And it I just really, I really love, like I, there's not um, a lot of books that I am, I super love like the main character, hmm. but I loved, I love Derek and Ren and they're like dynamic. The situation between them, like, and also the fact that they were working on themselves and like who they were, along with trying to like figure out this crazy horror that's happening. So yes, um, 
So did you, do you like zombies? Like, like, is that like your thing or like? Oh, no, it's not my thing. No, okay. <laughs> no, it's not like funnily enough. Like, so, I mean, I always love like horror and scary stories and things like that. I was always into that. I, I tend to usually go more for like paranormal um, kind of side of things like demons, ghosts are more my jam traditionally mm-hmm. um and as you all know the zombies in this book have kind of weird mechanics and you could say they're maybe even a little more mm, i don't know how, how spoilery or spoilery are we, we about to have already get. reviewed the book yes um on our yes podcast. i heard that thank and you so, it was lovely oh thank <laughs> you thank you um so we um really love like diving deep into the books and great reading. so this so people already know like we're invested. So we can like, just, we can just go it. for it. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, cause as you know, the blight is kind of a hive mind and it's got some yes. mechanics, you know, it's speaking inside her head. It's, it's possessing people essentially. Mm-hmm. So there are kind of some mechanics that are a little more demonic in the mm-hmm. way the blight works. And this is sort of how I was able to make zombies more fun for myself in a way. Like, mm-hmm. so zombies, all right. I never found them scary until I watched the walking dead. And then yes. I was like, Okay, that was legit terrifying. And I started having <laughs> yes. a series of like zombie nightmares after watching The Walking Dead. Oh, wow. um, and um, and so like, yeah, they had never stuck with me as monsters before them. But what I what I do love about them, I think they're a great modern monster to play with because they represent the concept of overwhelm. And I think that's something people can re- relate to so much these days. Because one zombie on their own, right? Like, not necessarily a huge deal. I mean, depending on the lore yeah. of your zombie world, some zombies are faster and stronger than others. But like, you know, right. the blighted horde is similar, right? Like, one on its own, not necessarily a huge problem. Um, they're yeah. kind of fast, but they're clumsy. You can kind of outsmart yeah. them because um, they're falling apart. Uh, but when you get a horde now you're really in trouble. And I do think the emotion of that is something we can all kind of viscerally relate to this idea of things just stacking up and being too much. So especially for teens, getting to see a teen protagonist push back against that concept of overwhelm, I think is really important. And seeing her win is really important. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I loved how that ended as well, because I was like, I, because I didn't know, like, I wasn't sure like how they were going to resolve this because everything seemed so bleak. Like, yeah. And I was like, dude, she's going to come out of here or she's mm-hmm. not going to come out of this. Yeah. And like the only person that's going to be left standing is going to be Derek or something. Yeah. And like, like halfway through the book, I was just like, oh no, he's going to lose her. <laughs> she's going to be gone for him. He's going to have all this unrequited love. <laughs> like, all this stuff I know. ended so perfectly. I, okay. The, okay. But the ending though, I know I'm like going on a tangent. But the way that you did the crystal and how she had to be like this, mm-hmm. like vessel, essentially mm-hmm. a scene where she's like coughing up, yeah. like all of these, like, that was really cool. Dude, oh. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is it because the zombies were so unique. Like you said, they're not, I've not seen anything like that before. Yeah. I love the innovation of it. And like the take about how you designed them and made them work because Sometimes when you go into different zombie books and stuff like that, they're very similar. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it goes just, just kind of like the same like song and dance, but this was so much more than that. Yeah. And I never thought about like the overwhelming thing. I, I can see it because it does gradually build throughout the book and just become more and more and more along with the zombies and things, but also the information, the people, the feelings yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. My, my favorite, um, 
parts in the book was when they were running from the zombie. I think at one point, um, I can't remember if it was Derek or Ren that was on the horse mm-hmm. and they're like <gasps> galloping away from these like Ren's on the horse yeah. with the sister. And are you talking about the time when she like chomps her really good? Yeah, there's a few like horse chases. There's like usually like Ren is the one who knows how to like ride buckwheat. No one else. Yeah, but it's <laughs> I think they're running from, is it a bear that they're running from? Oh, the first time. Yeah. So that's right. Yes. She gets Derek up on the horse with her and then they yes. leave. Oh, okay. 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 That was like my favorite scene. Cause I'm just like, I can just picture it in my head. I could picture the whole thing in my head the entire time. And I love it. <laughs> it's so good. And it was very <laughs> nostalgic because I loved the walking dead. Yeah. And so like reading that was like, it, like bringing back the walking dead and that kind of stuff and i'm like i love these books like i did not used to like zombie type books mm. at all. like i was like nope not for me my parents watched the walking dead i was like nope <laughs> and like a couple of years ago i was like ah i'm just gonna watch it and then i was in books. it to win it and now i'm reading <laughs> zombie books and apocalypse have you all seen the last of us by the way, yes, the first two episodes. I have not continued yet, but I need to. Mm. I love that. Yeah, I love that one because it's got it's got the fungal zombies. It's got the intimacy. You know, they've got a little yeah. bit of high mind stuff going on too, which is yes. kind of cool. With that, it's less less sentient, but it's still got that kind of like group right. awareness. Yes. Yeah. So then, um, where did you um, figure out the idea for the blight? Like. How did the villain, I guess it's the villain essentially, but even though we kind of know that the villain was kind of forced to be the villain in this situation, Mm -hmm. um, how did you know, like, or how did you come to create that scenario? Like what, what inspired that? The blight itself? Um, I mean, this, so first of all, my writing process on this book was actually unlike anything I'd ever done before. Um, It was really really organic for me. Um, and a lot of it, I was just kind of, I was originally sort of doing it as a writing exercise for myself and just going through and kind of asking myself, what's, what's the worst thing that can happen next? What's the most interesting thing that can happen next, et cetera, you know? So, um, and I let myself be led at first with some of the imagery. Um, because in fact, actually, because in earlier works that I had done, imagery was my weak point, um, which is funny because now I think like people associate that so much with what I do, it's become such a strong component. And actually I, I love it now. Um, but, um, so the first thing I had was the image of the blight. Like I thought, you know, um, I loved this idea of this kind of dripping quicksilver, this idea that the blight itself, even though it was horrifying, could be beautiful. Um, yeah. And I started to think from there, um, what on earth could this actually be, you know, and getting into a Quicksilver makes me think, of course, of, of alchemy um, and that right. quest for <laughs> the Philosopher's Stone, this idea of, you know, this kind of ancient greed, um, search for immortality. And I mean, well, literally gold, because that was so much of the idea of alchemy, right? Of let's turn everything back to silver and gold. Let's right. purify it in this sense, Um, this interesting assumption that like silver and gold is the purest thing possible. Um, So um, that just seemed to me to tie in very well thematically with this kind of idea of what the farms are doing, you know, and I mean, this community has, I mean, they were trying to support their families, right? They were trying to make this land that was completely untenable 
uh, work for them. And then, and out of desperation, they turned to alchemy and turned to this idea of making the blight, make their land fertile, um, just to grow anything. But over the years that cascaded into this bigger and bigger greed. And with that comes bigger and bigger corruption. Um, so, so yeah, I think it kind of just the themes, the imagery, all that sort of layered together for me and created this idea of like, what could the blight be and what does it make the most sense for it to be in this story and in this community? Um, yeah, I, that's kind of a tangenty answer maybe, but is that what you were looking for or is there? Yeah, absolutely. I loved that it was so um, like, and I love that you went in to describe that like it was kind of like, it reminded me of mercury, like mm-hmm. liquid mercury yes. a little yes. bit, yes. but like sticky and like, Mm-hmm. almost like in my mind of, yeah yeah and yeah how it just seeped into you and it took hold immediately and like there was just yeah. no, nothing to save you after that and like the fact that she like could breathe this in too so it was like on all fronts like your cost yeah like invasion and I just loved that it went deeper and deeper too because it got more and more horrifying as it went on realizing the things that the extent that they went through or the like you said, the greed, what they were willing to do to be able to have, have the crops and yeah. the things they wanted yeah. and the sacrifice that they made and they forced on somebody else. Like, it was just like, like, yeah. it was just, this is a good book for the audience. If you need something that's going to like start you off running and then keep building and building and building and building. And you're yes. like, you're at a full sprint, like towards the end. And it's fantastic. And like I said, it's such a great take on like the zombie idea because it's just that done superbly. It really yeah. is. It's yeah. just. Um, how long did it take you to write? Like, when did you start writing What We Harvest? So this book, again, because it was sort of a weird new process for me, this was shockingly quick compared to what I'd done before. I mean, the previous book I'd worked on, I worked for like 10 years on that thing. And then this one, um, I drafted the first version in about seven weeks in 2019. Um, oh, go you. Yeah, no, because it was, I completely changed the way I was trying to write. I actually tried to kind of let my unconscious take the driver's seat a little more with this one. Um, mm-hmm. So um, so I kind of, yeah, I was just sort of exploring and I was trying to get out of my own way and not judge anything as I was writing it. Um, because, you know, I think it's fair to say that this is a weird book. And, you know, there are plenty of times as I was writing that I was like, is, is this, is this too weird? Like, and I think actually just putting that to the side and just being like, eh, just go for it. Don't judge in advance, just see what happens. And I think actually some of the elements I found weirdest while writing it are things that people really connect to. So I think that's, yeah. a, you know, I, for me, that's been a great lesson going forward of like, I think sometimes we need a little weird. Um, yes. <laughs> You know, Um, but yeah, so there was that version. Um, I then went into a mentorship program called Pitch Wars with it, um, which is like an author mentorship program where an author a little further in their their head in their career than you takes you under their wing essentially for about four months and it ends in an agent showcase. And, um, and at that point, I actually did get my agent from that. And um, we got an editor pretty quickly after that. So it actually moved pretty lightning fast comparatively. I mean, there were edits. I don't want to make it sound like this book was done after seven weeks. That is not the case. Um, But I I think actually a shocking amount of it was in place from the beginning. Like the plot probably stayed pretty much 85% the same um, as that first draft because it's, it's a short snappy book, you know, and things do Mm -hmm. lead from one to the other. Um, So yeah, this, this book is, is the, 
fastest thing I've ever written. So do you think that this kind of opened up um, like a new writing style for you? Like, did you find yourself in writing this book in particular? Like what you wanted to do going forward in writing? Yeah, I mean, I think this was a, a huge revelation for me writing wise. Um, when I went to draft my next book, I tried to take the same approach of like, let me lead with my unconscious. Um, I kind of switched it up a little bit. And instead of leading with, um, I don't know if you all know this, this sort of concept from books like Save the Cat of the A plot and the B plot. The A plot is like the action driving the story. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And then the B plot is like all the kind of character stuff, the theme stuff, the things that leave an impact with everybody. Right. Um, when I was writing What We Harvest, I led with the A plot. I, I led first with this idea of what is what is this action plot? What's happening from one moment to the next? Because um, it's survival horror, and I think it's easy to do that. Um, the next book, I actually led more with the character and the theme stuff. Um, still trying to do this kind of unconscious exploration, which I think brought in a lot of really cool imagery in a similar way to what we harvest. Um, but what it, I mean, a huge difference in terms of the writing process. The second book took me way longer. I think because I didn't lead with that action plot, it took a lot mm -hmm. more revision then to mm -hmm. figure out, you know, how do we get all of that in place? Um, but the character stuff was there from the start, unlike what we harvest. So it was just, it is just an interesting, I'm always evolving. I'm always trying to work on, um, something new, challenge myself with something new with each book that I write and try to find some kind of new growth. So then with the characters you were saying in What We Harvest, since it was, um, like you said, more thematic and imagery driven, did you have a favorite character that you wrote in What We Harvest? At yeah, all? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I always have like a soft spot in my heart for, um, for Claudette, because I love the characters who are kind of stabby on the outside, like hard yeah. on the inside. Um, those are always just really fun characters to write for me. Uh, right. So I loved writing her. I loved writing her um, relationship with Angie, just because you get some of that grumpy sunshine dynamic, yes. which is yeah. really That's fun really to write. Um, yeah, I loved them. Of course, I also have a soft spot for Teddy. Uh, <laughs> I um, actually used to run a dog walking yeah. company. Poor Teddy. Um, no. I know. And Teddy is, for anybody who is maybe less familiar with this, is Ren's dog, um, who, you know, at the start of the story is actually blighted and she's already been kind of banished from Ren's farm, but she keeps coming back to visit That's Ren. Sad. I that know. That was a one for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, oh. I know. <laughs> I know. And it was, it was important to me that Teddy made it out okay in yeah. the end for this reason that I was like no named animals are gonna are gonna get it here that's that's always important to me um yeah. but you know I was able to kind of channel that I've, I've basically been in like dog withdrawal since we you know shut down the dog walking company many years ago so I was able to pour a lot of that love for all those dogs into Teddy um and I don't know I loved I loved writing her connection with Ren I'm definitely an animal person so it was that it was, was really fun good, the dynamic between her yeah it was so heartbreaking. I don't know why. I don't know why I pictured Teddy as like Clifford, the big red dog. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's what I was picturing, but with like zombie, like blight eyes, you know? <laughs> I'm gonna like take a peek in your head reading this book. Like, oh, just, <laughs> that was wild. <laughs> yeah, because like her, the image of her for me, because the way that you described like how the, because um, she's like a, like a red golden right yeah, yeah she's like she's reddish brown like all the Harris dogs yes. have that like cinnabar kind of red to them but cinnabar. she had less than most so she had a little bit of a browner coat 
That's yes, probably where the Clippers came from. Thinking yes. of like this beautiful, like <laughs> rich, luxurious, like coat. And then I'm like, oh no, like she's probably got some like patches missing. And like, oh so. yeah. <laughs> just the, th- just imagine seeing in like the eyes in the middle of the night yeah. and like living through something like that. It's insane. Did you have a favorite chapter? Like, did you have like, or like a section in the book that was like your favorite to write? Yeah. I, I liked, a, I liked writing a lot of it. Um, one section that stands out to me is the section where they're all in um, in the Pewter Flores' house and the horde comes for them there. And at that point, Ren, you know, who is infected with the blight, which I don't think we've mentioned so far on this on this interview, but like um, th- at this point, it's pretty in her head. Um, and when it actually makes her get up and open the door and let the blight in to attack all the people in the house. Um, I think that whole section was really intense to write. And they have this kind of breakneck escape where they're trying to get out of the house and drive away and everybody gets away except for Ren and Claudette. And then we just have the two of them on Buckwheat making their daring escape, which we know doesn't go very well. Um, That's not what you're talking about. No. I was like, oh no. That, that part was no really it. good though too. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm screaming, don't do it fight it, fight it, fight it. It's like lying to you. It's manipulating you. And I'm like, oh my God, she let all these <laughs> monsters in. And then she's like sobbing. And I'm like, and I know, I know that Claudette is going to like pound her one, like good one, because like, yeah. you're putting family at risk. You're putting the people that I love at risk. And like the fact that they got stuck together was so good because yeah, it, was, it was funny. the tension build up there and like her, like just letting her have it. And then all of a sudden it just <laughs> gets so much more bleak. And then I I felt myself when the inevitable happened, Mm -hmm. just kind of like, yeah, oh no. Cause like, that's one of the parts where I felt like nobody is getting out of this alive. Like nobody is gonna, I don't know how you're going to survive this. And like the fact that Ren was able to push through for so long and like, yeah, that's how that's how I thought it was gonna end. I thought it was just gonna be like a uh, her left. Yeah, her and just roaming around with all of her. I was I'm gonna zombie be so friends. sad. Yeah, and then Darren. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I that's so that's like the thing is for me. So you know, like even though I always loved scary stories and horror growing up, like the reason I never wrote it before this one actually was because like hope is the most important thing to me in everything yeah. that I write, mm-hmm. and um, it's probably pretty silly, but it hadn't just clicked in my head that I could just do both. Um, I read uh, Saw Kill Girls by Claire Legrand, mm-hmm. actually, before writing this. And mm-hmm. what struck me so much about that was all the hope in that book. Um, and it, yeah, that was, for whatever reason, that was kind of a little epiphany moment for me of like, I can do both. I will do both. Um, and um, when I was drafting this book, there definitely came that point where I, you know, I'd been asking myself kind of what's the worst thing that can happen? What's the worst thing that can happen all the way up to the point right after that, right? So Ren and Claudette try to make their escape. It doesn't work because the blight overtakes Ren's brain. She bites Claudette. Claudette gets infected and is dragged away by the horde, which ambushes them again in the forest. Um, Ren comes back to Derek um, to try to tell him what happened to Claudette. Uh, but the blight gets her again, nearly makes her attack Derek. And at that point, she this is kind of one of her major low points where she's on the porch there and um, and she's really losing her body and her mind and she knows it and she can feel it. And Teddy comes out of the dark at that point. And, you know, Teddy, we know, is very blighted uh, and has been running from her whenever she saw her. And at that moment, when I was writing it, I knew I had a decision to make. 
essentially about the trajectory of the book about whether things you know keep getting darker from there or whether they don't right. and so that's really kind of the turning point where we see the hope kick in because Teddy doesn't attack her. Teddy actually was trying to just get affection, even though she's blighted, which could still be plenty dangerous if Rand weren't blighted herself already, but she is. So they get to have this nice moment together. And that's when Rand actually starts to realize the courts can counteract the blight. And we start to have that kind of more hopeful trajectory, even though there are still plenty of things that go wrong after that. Um, Poor Derek. Um, It is definitely the start of the turning point where I wanted readers to start to realize there is a way we get out of this, potentially, and it doesn't have to be that we lose everybody permanently. And it was done so right. Like it wasn't, like it was a build up to that moment, but then a build up into the, like the finish or like the release of everything that had been happening up into that moment too, because you could have just, okay, like, you know, we broke this or did this and then we survived, but instead like you were able to, dive deep more into the lore Mm -hmm. or the story of what had happened to cause it. And I love that too, because like, sometimes I feel like there's not enough balance in the way that authors give like information. It was just enough, like the atmosphere, the landscape, the, like the storyline, the people were so balanced out that it was just such a good, like all around like experience. Yeah, it was a roller coaster. But it was it a was. Dang good one. <laughs> I was like, I'm reading it and I'm texting Beth Ann at the same time. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what's gonna happen. I know this is what's gonna happen. <laughs> and we we were wrong, but <laughs> every chapter best. predicting like yes. some crazy oh gosh, like you read this part yet? outrageous twist. <laughs> yeah, so good. If you haven't read a book with a friend, yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely try that out. <laughs> yes. Um, so you have a you have a new book coming out. Do yes. <laughs> November. Is it um, November? January. It's January. January. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Three days after my birthday, give me my birthday present. There you go. <laughs> um, and that's called a place for vanishing. Yes, I'm so excited because we just got to reveal the cover. Um, yeah, he just showed so it to me. It. Oh, I've been sitting on this for a while and it's just so beautiful. So I was just so excited. Like, I mean, both these covers, like Delacorte has done an amazing job with both of them. And after seeing what we harvest, I was kind of like, I don't know quite how we outdo that final product here. You know what I mean? Like, um, because the artist is just so brilliant for that one. And the artist for this one is a different artist. She's brilliant too. These are, these are both gorgeous covers. Yeah. I mean, they look a little similar in certain ways, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, because I was like, I bet they ha- she has the same like artist on lockdown for like right, yeah. what we harvest in this cover because they look so good to get. They would be so beautiful just side by on side. the wall. Side yeah. By yeah. Side. So good. Yeah. I'm so excited to get the actual copies of this book because I do think the books like next to each other is going to be so. It's gonna be so and this cool. one is about a haunted house. I kind of yes. gathered a little bit. I mean, can you give us little anything at, like a little like <laughs> yeah little dang like you know <laughs> yeah, totally yeah, I totally can um it's so exciting to be able to talk about this one more openly now because it's been secret for so long um but basically right. so this is like a contemporary gothic horror um mm-hmm. and this is getting a little more to my horror loving roots in terms of leaning more into the supernatural directly um and so essentially I like to describe it as like a mental health recovery story set against the backdrop of a haunted house uh mm-hmm. 
and the vibes are kind of haunting of Hill House meets Coraline mm-hmm. in a certain way, because we've still got a lot of this interesting imagery. There's like blue roses that are kind of overgrowing the property. There are, um, there's also a lot of bugs, um, which is another one of my actual early loves. I wanted to be an entomologist when I was a kid. Oh, um, cool. And so does the main protagonist, uh, her, her younger sister, Vivi, wanted to be, wants to be an entomologist. So that's like, um, that was fun to get to write for me. But anyway, it's like the halls are kind of crawling with these iridescent beetles and these lacy butterflies, um, mm. these beautiful stained glass windows. Um, so it's got a similar vibe in some ways to what we harvest, this idea that there's this very, there's this beautiful, intriguing atmosphere um something that seems quite sinister underneath because the you know um and I don't know I really love how this this brings this book brings together a lot of elements but it leans really heavily into mental health themes which I think are really especially important again for a lot of us now and especially for teens um and having um a protagonist who has uh cyclothymia or bipolar three um it's the first time I've actually ever attempted to write a protagonist who has, well, the same disorder that I do. Um, so trying to write someone who has a brain that actually works the same way as me was, yeah. I don't know, it was, it was freeing in some ways and scary in others. Cause I know I can only speak for myself basically, right, but right. it was important to me to try actually. Cause when I was growing up, I never got to read that perspective. And awesome. so <laughs> I wanted to incorporate that into this one. Um, and, and like what we heard, there's also, there's romance. Um, it's a romance subplot. Um, this one's a little more like frenemies to lovers, kind of morally gray love interest. Sister stories, a family story. There's a, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on. I'm so I'm excited. excited. I know. <laughs> so far away. I know. I know. <laughs> Oh, we're going to pick it up immediately then. Yeah. We're going to add it and pick it up. Absolutely going to be one of the first things then we have to review Yeah, next year. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love, I love, this is one of the things I love most about being able to have the opportunity to talk to authors. And because we know, because you're, you guys are busy. Um, and it's awesome that you were able to, you know, have the time to be able to come on with us and talk to us about your book. Mm-hmm. But I love, um, sitting down and discussing these books with everyone because you know you know the themes like because it's part of your like it's part of you like it's your mm-hmm. heart right? I mean and like hearing the deeper more like beautiful nature behind all of those things and like the inspirations and like where those things are coming from I think it makes it way more special yeah because it's like becomes a part of the audience then too or me in particular mm-hmm. it just makes it like it just like seals the deal. Like yes. it was already fantastic. But then being able to hear you talk about like what moves you to write them, what influences you, the things that you're wanting to like show the audience and put out there. It's fantastic. I love it. And it's such a privilege to be able to do it too. Right. So I love it so much. Okay. I mean, thank you guys about again, so much for reading it, for having me like you all are critical. So Lord <laughs> <laughs> knows authors appreciate it. <laughs> We try. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, do you have a favorite book series then, or like any authors or books that influence your writing or that you love that you want to share with everybody? 
Um, well, one of my favorite um, horror authors is actually on the adult side, but I love Grady Hendrix. Um, okay. Yeah, My Best Friend's Exorcism, um, A Southern Book Club's Guide to <laughs> Slaying Vampires. Oh my gosh. Um, Grady Hendrix is like an instant buy for me. Um, but actually, I was thinking about this because you all were talking on your review of Woolly Harvest, trying to think about some books that might have similar kind of vibes. So yes. I wrote down a few in case that was helpful of some yeah. things like. Yeah, that's great. So, I mean, one that people compare it to a lot is Wilder Girls by Rory Power, okay. just because of um, the talks in that one. Um, yeah. There are definitely some common elements there. Um, Small Favors by Erin Craig has that kind of like shivery small town secrets vibe. Um, yeah. Ghostwood Song by Erica Waters has the rural eerie atmosphere. Um one I'd actually recommend is um, also is Agnes at the End of the World by Kelly uh, McWilliams. And that one is, I mean, it's it's different in certain ways. It's like set within like this fundamentalist cult, but there is this zombie-like apocalypse that's encroaching on them. And I don't, there's also this kind of intimacy and the vibes of it. I don't know. I really loved and connected with that book. Um, I thought that was one of the most interesting books I've read recently. Um, and the other one I'd also recommend is The Undead Truth of Us uh, by Brittany S. Lewis, which has actually, it's been on my TBR for a while. I kept getting crushed by deadlines. So I'm <laughs> backed up um, pretty terribly on my own TBR. Um, but that one, what, what calls to me so much about it is that it's supposed to be very much this idea of the intimacy meets zombies um, yeah. as well. And I think there is a lot of emotional intimacy in what we harvest. And I think that's what a lot yeah. of readers connect to. So it sounds like that's also what Lewis was going for too. So I'm very interested to read that one. Yeah, we'll have to. I was going to say, there's too. a couple on here that I haven't. I know I've heard of Agnes at the end of the world night. I think that's on my TBR as well, but I oh, um, so good. totally forgot about, um, is it Wilder Girls? I always called it Wilder, Wilder Girls. Wilder Girls, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it does have that same, because of the relationships within the book, I do see yeah. it's that like hazy feeling, like beautiful, like, like you're saying that atmosphere that you get. Because sometimes you walk into a book and you can like feel mist roll in, essentially, yeah. is what, like, how mm -hmm. I feel it. And like, you know, like it's about to be intense. Yeah. And everyone yeah. was just so good that way. And we both- And that one has a lot of like body horror too. I know that's not always a selling point for people, but some people are very into that. That is an element of what we harvest. Uh, so. <laughs> a lot of body horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot of it. Um, and there are not a lot of people who write it and I feel like do it the justice that mm. it needs, I guess. Mm. And I feel like when you're going after the human body and doing something like that in a horror, I feel like there's got to be a point to it because that's, yeah. like you said, a very intimate thing, a very like, like ground shaking thing. Because if you put yourself in those situations or something like that, there's got to be like some outer element to it. And I, like I said, I don't feel like there's enough of it, but also right. because I don't think it's because people know how to approach it. And I think that people who can do there's a couple of books that I've arcs I've tried to read recently that were because sometimes you just tear people up and get gross just to be gross with no point at all and then I'm a little confused but mm -hmm. um I think it's a great selling point because like I said I think you did it right um because it affected her internally it wasn't just something happening to her it was happening to everyone it was in her head in her 
whole self. So mm-hmm. I really, that's, that's exactly how I like to think of it. Like, and I know horror authors have all sorts of different approaches. I don't think there's a right or wrong to this. I think that just readers connect with different aspects. Some people just think it's fun. Like, all right, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> um, you know, uh, for me, I think when I'm using body horror, um, the way I try to ask myself in my books, if I find it too much or not is like, well, is this detail critical towards the protagonist's reaction? Mm-hmm. Like, is this going to impact Ren or impact Libby in a place right. for vanishing in such a way that they need, the reader needs to know this detail uh, to yeah. get what the protagonist is feeling, then I'll put right. it in. Um, but it's, it's funny because I, yeah, it's strategic. Like I've always been more of a sissy when it comes to like reading body horror. So it's weird. I found that I actually kind of enjoyed writing it for whatever reason. I think because I know what's going to happen. So it doesn't scare me as much when so I'm writing like, it. Yeah. <laughs> I know how far it's going to go and when it's going to stop, yeah, which mean, unfortunately is a like, luxury the reader doesn't get. I understand. So, right. You can regulate it. So it's not just yeah. like happening. It's like, oh my God, stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One okay. horror that I really like, like horror series, is um all of like R.L. Stein's like old OG like Fear Street novels. Oh yeah, that's how I grew up reading. Was like Goosebumps was like my first thing for like the longest time. Like actually, like my third grade teacher had an intervention with me where she's like, "You have to read something that is not Goosebumps." <laughs> um, and I did start reading other things, but I also kept reading Goosebumps, and I read Fear Street too. Like, yes. and, yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I made, I would make my grandma take me um, to the used bookstore here. Um, it's no longer open, but I'd make her take me like every weekend to find, because um, for some reason, somebody just kept bringing in Fear Street books. So I'd, <laughs> and I'd buy them all. And I had so, I had so many. And then I sadly like sold them all for like 25 cents a piece. And now they're oh. worth a lot of money. And I'm like, oh no. no read them now yeah we've tried I think I have like five on my shelf and I'm like goosebumps books actually I was just thinking that I had this huge box of them and now I'm like oh no where did they go where did they go yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying you have to be a book yeah. dragon to support all of your things and never get rid of anything yes my husband doesn't understand <laughs> <laughs> yeah just keep getting more bookshelves you know it's like what can go wrong he's just like this is is too much I'm like it's not enough (laughs) not until the whole house is lined wall to wall yeah of all of my things yeah I love it we just built a loft in our house for all my library books so it's like my little mini library loft oh I love love that yeah is this your library writing situation that you have that you're in it is. Yeah. So I have to finish, I have to finish unpacking it, but like most of my books right now are still like in the closet. Cause I was waiting on like these shelves that uh, my friend installed up top weren't enough to remotely touch the number of boxes of books I have in my closet right now. So that's why I just got these new ones. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, that will that. let me unpack most of them. We'll, we'll I see. Love it. Yeah. It does, so good. it does. So you are getting ready to release. Um, yep new book um and is there anything that you would recommend to the audience for us to pick up and read some of like your other works or something that you're anticipating in the future you're working on something else already in the works to keep a lookout I have Um, a couple of sort of secret things I am working on I can't really talk about them yet unfortunately um but yeah what we harvest was my (laughs) debut so I've only got the two out right now um there will always be more coming um I can promise that but awesome that's what we like to hear that's what that's what we need to reassure and say 
<laughs> pumping out amazing things for us to read. So yes. We'll be patiently waiting. Anticipating. <laughs> Whittling our thumbs. Yeah. So this, but yeah, this, this book fantastic. was a six out of five for me. Six out of five. It was very good. You did a fantastic job and we are very honored that you're on the podcast with us. Yes. Um, sharing this spoilery review about your process. Um, It's great. And the audience should definitely come to the library here because we do have it. Yes. And we have it online as an ebook and an audiobook. So you can come in and grab that. Um, Also, or you could go and you could purchase your own beautiful copy um, and read it. And then you should tell us what you think because it's awesome. You're not going to be disappointed. We loved it. Yes, we did. It yes. was great. And thank you again for joining us. It, it was amazing. It we was had a great amazing. time. No, thank so. you again for having me. Yeah, you all are awesome. <laughs> yes. Thanks. So um, you guys can tune in. I, we have episodes coming out, what, every twice every other a week, month? Twice now? a month. Yep. Yes. Sometimes there's an odd month with an extra week, so you get a bonus of us ranting. So you're welcome. And then <laughs> other than that, yeah. We'll catch you on the flip side. Yep. Thank you again and have a great day, guys.